father's table. An introspective look and conversation about our fathers and how they shaped our lives. Welcome back to the father's table. Uh, my name is Keith, your host, and I have a very special guest with me today. Um, this is in the midst of a quarantine lockdown. I'm sure I've probably said this in the you know, opening intro of this show, but I uh, just wanted to clarify that this is uh, another recording done during the lockdown uh, because of this uh, just terrible disease going around, uh, the COVID-19. But uh, we can come back to that. Uh, right now, we have a special guest, someone who I met in, in a library when I was with my son, taking him to um, story time. Um, her name is Crystalline, and she's really awesome. It's just a little bit, little bit of background about Crystalline. She's 28 years old, grew up in San Fernando Valley, um, and uh, what I'm reading here is that, you know, she graduated with a bachelor's degree in anthropology from UCLA. I'm sure she could tell us more about that. But first, I just want to extend a, a warm welcome to Crystalline. Crystalline, thanks for coming on. Thanks for asking me. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Can you tell me a little bit about uh, what um, anthropology is? Sure. Yeah. Um, so anthropology is a subject that seeks to, um, it, it's got a lot of branches to it. So it talks about culture a lot, um, human beings, culture. So there's a few branches like linguistics, archaeology, cultural anthropology, and physical anthropology. So archaeology deals a lot with the past. That's what I specialized in. Um, so I, I, I really honed in my studies into Southern California, Native Americans, and I have, um, I'm, I'm actually Cuban. So I, I did a little bit of research in that as well. So that's okay. really brief. Excellent. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Um, let's get a couple of things together here. Sure. So, um, Let's start out. I like to start out most of the shows in this fashion. Uh, let's go here. Uh, again, thank you for joining. And what I'd like to ask our uh, guests, I would like them to close their eyes. Sure. Take three deep breaths. And tell me what comes to mind when you think about your father. After your three deep breaths, breathe three times and tell me what comes to mind when you think about your father. Um, the smell of gasoline and cigarettes and just his, very oddly, his beard and his mouth. Just watching him and listening to him speak and just the scent that kind of emanated off him. Mm. Yeah. That was this, that was the scent like gasoline. And, and yeah. Cigarette. He was really, he was a smoker, unfortunately. Um, and he was really into cars. He mm. could totally take apart and rebuild any car. And so he was always kind of working on a car and that, that smell was kind of mixed in little bit of sweat in there <laughs> but right. that was that was him he was like a garage rat so did you did that impact the way you viewed cars or were you did you pick up like like liking cars because he is a car guy or you know I my my husband and I have talked about this a lot I am really frustrated I don't know a thing about cars mm-hmm. um and I remember just really wanting him to teach me, you know, just even something as simple as like, you know, change your oil, change a tire. And working on cars was his escape. Um, my dad dealt with a lot of really bad anxiety and self-esteem issues. 
So working on a car was a, a project that allowed him to escape. And I don't think he meant it this way, but he, he really wasn't sitting to take the time to teach a little kid, you know, Hey, this is how you change your brakes or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I just wasn't at the age yet to verbalize that. Like dad, I would really love it if you taught me, you know, your love of cars. Um, mm. it's, it's complicated, but. So yeah. what you, you said he, you see, he appeared to suffer from a lot of self-esteem issues. When did yeah. you start to pick that up? But like when you got a little bit older or like when you were I, full adult, like, okay. I think I was really perceptive, pretty young. I don't know if I had the vocabulary again to like say that's an anxiety disorder, but I knew that my dad had a really low opinion of himself. And um, that was really perpetuated, unfortunately, by a lot of things and a lot of relationships. So I, I know this is a this is a podcast about fathers, but it's hard to not talk about your father without talking about your mother. And oh, how, yeah, you can talk about it too. Yeah. How they fed into things and aspects about each other. Um, so, she, you know, she kind of knew what buttons to push with him. Um, he, he was not a college graduate. He, um, he had a really bad alcohol problem most of his life. And for when he was younger, a drug problem. Um, And he just was striving so hard to be worth something. And he never felt like he got there, like he was worthy. Um, And I think he just, my mom perhaps used that to her advantage sometimes. I had, Mm. I had kind of a a controlling, a very, very controlling mom. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, let's come back to that. Let's sure. let's let's pause here and go back to the beginning. So, sure. take me back to elementary school, or if, if you could remember even earlier than that. Like, how was your father um, around that time? Being a father, uh, being a husband, he's married to your mom back then. I'm guessing. Um, yeah, they were being on around on and off. Uh-huh. So, how was it then? at that age, how, how was it like having him as a father? So, um, this was often referred to about him that he had not, not like bipolar, but there was like, his name was Chris. There was Chris one and Chris two. And, um, you know, when he was, he'd have, I, I do suspect he was maybe, uh, I had a little bit of manic depression. I don't know if it's called that anymore, but he'd be in a really good mood for perhaps a period of about a month. And he was just really, the best way I could describe it is just light and silly and um, had a lot more of a passion for life. And then he would have episodes where he would, you know, he was sober at that point. And then he would have episodes where that would suddenly take a dive and he was getting really heavy into his drinking and he was distant. And, um, you know, this was not really in elementary school, not towards me, but he could be really mean um, and just bitter and really scary. Um, My father was really, really tall. He was six, three. And I'm actually, I inherited it. I'm six foot tall. So that could be very imposing um, when he was, was drinking like that. So there, you know, I have a lot of really happy memories of being just like absolutely silly with him. And, you know, a, a really fond pastime of his was driving the canyons through the Santa Monica mountains. That was his thing. Mm-hmm. And we, we do that together in his convertible. Um, and then other times he was just like a hermit in his garage, just um, upset. And, you know, on occasion, there were episodes where he would he would literally disappear for a few days mm. on a drinking binge. 
and we would not know where he was and he would come back and this happened a few times he would literally destroy everything in the house in just a rage um, over, you know, issues that he and my mom had. And I do know a couple of what those things were about. Some of them I don't. And, you know, that was kind of like the extreme it could go to. Mm -hmm. And, and like, when I mean destroy everything in the house, I mean, I mean it. Um, and that was really terrifying. That could be really terrifying. Right. Especially as a young, young girl Yeah. to kind of see the, Oh, you know, what's going on here? You know, it's like, uh, yeah. and then I guess after seeing it a few times, you kind of like, okay, maybe this is normal. You know, he gets mad, he destroys yes. something. Yeah. And, it really yeah. wasn't until I was an adult that I looked back on events over the course of my childhood and was like, wow, that is not how families act. <laughs> That's yeah. not normal. And that was, that was really eye opening. So, let so it, when he would destroy the house as a little child, were you afraid to embrace him after that point, or were you kind of on? Was everyone work, walking on eggshells? Like, okay, don't trigger him. Maybe in, say something today. See how he reacts. In the moment, obviously, it was walking on eggshells, um, and then I suppose I don't I don't recall that transition between when the rage happened to when things normalized, but I do know that it was quick and there was a tendency to go back to normal very quickly and like act like nothing happened and everything's fine. And, (laughs) you know, mom and dad made up. Um, There certainly were times when they didn't make up. Like my parents divorced, I think twice and Mm -hmm. got back together many, many times. Mm -hmm. Um, So there was some times where it was just like, yeah, we're okay, that happened. And the next day, we're going to act like nothing's wrong. Dad's going to promise to go to Alcoholics Anonymous. And that Mm -hmm. would last maybe a month and, you know, go back to normal. Now, I have to ask this question. I have to ask this question. Sure. Was, because I could relate to that of if something happens, no one wants to talk about it. Mm-hmm. It's just almost like, oh, we're fine. Yeah. And it's like, well, <laughs> what was that? Uh, can I have some context? And it's like, oh, uh, you know, it's just almost a, if it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, how did that impact you in your relationship with your mom? Was it was it like you can have that conversation or would she sit you guys down? I don't, You have siblings, correct? I do. Um, I have an older sister from Mm -hmm. his first relationship. So she did not live with us. She would visit periodically. I have a younger sister, but we were 10 years apart. So most of my life I lived like a, uh, what's the word? Um, an only child. Oh, so the little sister did not experience my father Neither sister experienced my father in that way because by the time they come along, you know, my older sister was not in the house and my little sister, things were very different. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, just to answer that, just to clarify. Yeah. So it seems like your mother wouldn't sit you down to say, Hey, this is what's happening. It was more so, Oh, we got in a fight. We made up. Moving on to the next thing. so More or less, how, yeah. So take me through middle school or high school. Let's, let's lump those two in together. Mm-hmm. Like, how was he around that time? So there was, so middle school, there was a really, it's complicated. <laughs> no, take your time. Um, so middle school was bad particularly sixth grade, there was a very, one of the worst incidences where he got physical with my mother for the first time. Um, so to give a little background, he actually, he, he, he hit her, he punched her. 
Um, so to give a little background, as I said earlier, my mother's side of the family came from Cuba. Mm-hmm. Um, they are, we, we are Caucasian Cubans. We're Spanish heritage. And my mother, the, the love of my mother's life when she was very young was a Panamanian black man. Mm-hmm. Um, she was, she was quite young. I think she was like 15 and the relationship lasted for a number of years. And, um, she, they were friends for a long time and then it, it budded into a romance and they were really in love with each other. Um, and he was part in the air force and had to go away. And the arrangement that they made was that they would marry once he was done with whatever his training was at the air force. Um, and my grandparents coming, you know, it was, it was awful, but I try to understand the context. They came from a world when, you know, they came from like 1950s Cuba where that was not acceptable. And they were awful to my mother throughout this period when they learned of this relationship and, um, they threatened to cut her off and Mm -hmm. to not speak to her anymore. She decided to end the relationship. Um, and in so doing, she met, you know, a number of years later, but she met my father and my father was more of the, to my grandparents, ideal look. He was white. He was American, but that was very, excuse me, confusing because my family also had a, a, a real dislike towards white culture, American culture, and therefore did not like my dad. So he looked right, but they didn't like him and they didn't respect him. Hmm. So um, that was always what colored the interactions between my mother and my father and my grandparents. So back to your question about what occurred in middle school, my father had always kind of been aware of that background, but he learned that she had maintained a relationship with this man. It was a friendship, but it was still, I I know what they would talk about. She, she was, I think this is just towards what I believe my opinion. She shared a lot with me that she probably shouldn't have. She was a little too open and I do think that the relationship with this man bordered on emotional affair. Mm. Um, he had, you know, this was like 15 years later. He had remarried. She had remarried. She had two kids. She had me and my sister at this point. And my father learned that there was some emotional cheating going on. Mm. In addition to that, she had she had spent something like $5,000 on his credit card without telling him. Um, And he, he was really, he was, he got really upset one day. He went on a binging drinking spree. And one night he showed up at about 2 AM at our house and they got into a terrible argument and he actually punched her and I witnessed it. Mm Mm-hmm. So that, that's a lot of information and detail at that point And throughout my life, my father was really painted as a villain. I think like, you know, the, the very obvious villain was, oh, my dad, cause he drank and he got so upset and he did all these terrible things, but it really wasn't until I became an adult and I started piecemealing what was occurring that I saw the responsibility in both parties. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and and I, I'm glad you said that because I wanted to bring this part up now. Mm-hmm. Now, it seems like you mentioned um, self-esteem issues. And I, I think mm-hmm. you might have said stress. Yeah, um, anxiety. Or- anxiety, that mm-hmm. was, yeah. Now, was a lot of that brought on from your mom, mom and her parents kind of like okay we got married we're together 
and then you know because i've you know being married I'm, I'm, i've been married uh since 2016 and i love my wife and i've obviously love her parents but i'm, I'm also learning that you <laughs> i think a friend told me this you kind of marry the parents too in a way yeah <laughs> it's like, that it's like yeah, this that, connection mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and uh you you get like a bigger picture of where your, your spouse comes from sure and it's just like okay making connections and it's like okay this makes a lot of sense now mm-hmm. and if it's so different than how you grew up and it's just like okay and i could definitely understand how boundaries could get crossed into marriage because yeah. you know if you look at it it's like your spouse has been influenced by these their parents for years and then when you come into the picture and you form a bond a lot of their influence may still come from their parents so it's that could get really touchy so i'm i'm thinking in your father's case he marries your mother and let's say your mother is heavily influenced by her parents and you know, their opinions become. <laughs> you got to meet some Your Cubans. Opinions. They're weird. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> right. So their opinions become her opinions. And it's like this whole, you know, weight that's probably put on your father to where it's just like, hey, I, I don't know what to do here. Yeah. Um, it, it's what it seems like now, now we're talking. It seems like that's probably what was going on. Uh, is Absolutely. that accurate? Or? And yeah. I do, like, I will say first and foremost, the way I was raised and my grandparents would say this was, you know, like you're, you're Cuban, you're, you're not American. And mm-hmm. it was as if my father was not a part of me. He mm-hmm. wasn't important. My, I, I think a couple times my mom even told me this, he was just the sperm donor. Mm. And that you know, I, I know my dad felt that he did not feel like he had ownership over me. Mm-hmm. Like I was really his, I was always my mother's. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, you know, kind of going full circle, going back to like the car thing, why he never taught me about cars, because I don't, I don't think he felt like he had a right to, like mm-hmm. he had a right to be like, this is my daughter. And I want her to have something that's a part of me that I care about. Um, Because, you know, he just, he felt unwelcomed in his own marriage. And uh, in definitely that, that I would call it a triangulation, you know, him, my mom and my grandparents. Mm. I know he felt that. So quick question. Sure. Take me back here. They they met. Your mom had a, a previous um, relationship. And then your father came into the picture. Now, what? it sounds like he wasn't the most liked. But why did they get together? If, I mean. Um, I think my mother was, I think they were physically attracted to each other. And I, I do think that, I think there's a possibility that 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 was confused for love. I mean, Mm -hmm. I know that sounds terrible because of a lot of people's misperception of what love is. Oh yeah. Um, I think infatuation was really what drove that. Um, I don't want to say, I'm not saying that over time, like they obviously cared for each other, but it's possible. I I think that that was more attachment. I think that they developed unhealthy attachments with each other. And it sounds like it could have been a toxic thing after a while. Absolutely. Because you say going back and forth, back and forth. I've been in a relationship like that. It was completely toxic. It was Mm -hmm. almost like you get yourself in this stronghold and you can't leave and you want to leave, but you can't. Cause you don't yeah. want them to be with anyone else, but you don't want to be with them. And it's like this real situationship. It's real, it was, it, yeah. if I sat here and, you know, gave you the, the rundown of my whole life and their relationship, it, it was so contorted and weird. 
Um, There was a lot of really peculiar, unhealthy things going on. Um, But, but to answer your question, you know, I think they were attracted to each other. There were qualities of him that she really liked that were opposite to her family. You know, like he was really, my dad was from the San Fernando Valley, really laid back. And he was called like, there's this term out here called a valley rat, which were these, they were the, I suppose they're the baby boomers. They were these like kids that grew up in suburban San Fernando Valley in the seventies. They didn't have a lot of supervision and they got into a lot of trouble, Mm -hmm. you know, cars, drugs, alcohol. And he was just like this really hot babe. Um, You know, he was like, that's how everybody described him um, it back in his heyday. And I think that was really attractive to her. And she thought, hey, he, you know, has the checklist of blue eyes and he's tall and he's white and, you know, an additional like F you to my parents. Um, And he was somebody that I think she could kind of manipulate, you know, he was, he was kind of whipped and she used, you know, use that a little bit to her advantage. I think sometimes. I I have to, throw this in here i love the way you uh just said whipped it was so eloquent <laughs> the way you said he was yeah. kind of whipped <laughs> yeah you know he was just um okay so take me through post high school so college how was he around then was it still the same type of conflict going head home you were in ucla how was he supportive or and also uh were there any relationships that came into your life that you brought them around to visit your dad or did you get your dad's opinion on these guys uh sure um so my parents divorced a second time they, they divorced the first time, like somewhere when I was four ish, three or four ish. The second time was 2010. Uh, I had just graduated high school and my mom suspected him of physically cheating. I don't know why. I don't know what her evidence was of that. Um, but I, you know, I trusted her. And I said, okay, well, you know, you do what you got to do. So she, she divorced him. He, um, he then began living in a storage unit, a storage Mm. facility, um, uh, illegally. So he was essentially homeless. Mm. And so the period between like, you know, when I graduate high school, all throughout my college years, he's like literally pretty much living like a homeless man. Um, However, what he would do is he would constantly show up at the house and he would spend the entire day at the house, um, even though they were technically broken up and, you know, didn't didn't want to be with each other. And he would take showers there and do his laundry there. And my, my parents were really big smokers mm. and they would smoke together. And for all intensive purposes, they were still acting like a married couple They just weren't sleeping together. And, Mm. you know, after he moved out, even though he was always around, my mom started drinking a lot more heavily. She herself Mm. started to drink. And when they were both tipsy, they would start, they would flirt. It was very, very peculiar to watch. And, um, it was uncomfortable and I could see on the onset that the reason why he was coming around was not because he wanted to be with his daughters because he missed us. It was because he was trying to get back into the house. So he would linger and, you know, I was often put into this position sometimes where, you know, he'd come in the morning and he, it would be, you know, like 10 PM at night. 
And my mom, even though she was, she was getting herself, you know, having her self-esteem fed by him, you know, pining for her, she would ask me to, Hey, can you tell your dad to get out of here? Like get your dad out of the house, get him out of here. And that was heartbreaking for me because it wasn't my responsibility. You know, she was the adult. I mean, I was technically an adult, but it was not my, you know, that's not my ex-husband. And, um, I will never forget how many nights I had to like, you know, give hints, Hey, we're closing up, you know, we'd like to lock up the house and escorting my father to our front door and watching him walk away to Hmm. go sleep in a storage facility. And it was, it was heartbreaking. Um, so that's kind of where it was going. He, he was drinking, like I said, you know, now he had no reason to be sober. So he was drinking a lot. I suspect he was dabbling in some drugs again. And this is when we, I'll be honest, I felt like I was the only one. Excuse me one second. I have a dialogue box. I started noticing he was physically looking different. Mm. Um, My father is, you know, as I said, very tall and has always been a really slender guy but he started looking very skinny and he at that point had been hitting his 50s um so i know that there are some biological changes that occur your your testosterone lowers and muscle mass reduces so at first i chalked it up to that but then i started noticing that it was looking a lot more severe And, um, he just looked, he was skinnier than me. Um, you know, his, his, sometimes his like thighs and his calves were about the thickness of my arm. Mm. And, um, you know, that was just kind of on the back burner. Like we would talk to him about it. He had no health insurance. No, he didn't take care of himself at all. Um, he didn't have dental insurance. He was, he worked in plastic fabrication. So I think a lot of it was like under the table. Um, and, you know, kind of fast forward at this point, we were, we became estranged for, for reasons I may or may not get into in this podcast, but, um, uh, he, he was diagnosed with lung cancer and I cannot remember the kind it was, but that was 2017, August, 2017. And then he died a year later from it, August, 2018. Mm. Um, so he, you know, as I said, he was like a, a pack or two pack a day smoker. Um, most of his life, I, you know, most of his teenage years, all up until he passed away. Now you were in college when he passed away. You know, I had already, I had graduated and I, yeah. yeah, And I had a almost one year old at that point. Was he at your graduation? You know what? I didn't, I didn't go to ceremony. Oh, you didn't go to ceremony? No, it was, it was so hot. It was going to be so hot. And I was like, I don't want to stand outside. Gotcha. So gotcha. that's another story. Was he at your high school graduation? He was. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. So was he like big on like birthdays or anything like that? Yeah, uh, he was. He was. He was there. I think he good. he really chafed at the uh, at crowds. He didn't. He was really uncomfortable in crowds, so he didn't dig parties too much. It seems like your your father. He, he loved you a lot, it, but it also seems like uh, the relationship between um, your mother took up a lot of space in your life to where yeah. it was like dynamite or something. And it that kind of overshadowed everything else, you know. I was, my, I was my mother's husband. Uh, you know. Why do you say that? Um, I was her, I mean, she told me everything. 
um, from a very, very young age, like really things I didn't need to know. Um, and I was just like her emotional crutch. Mm. Um, and someone who I think she, she poured a lot into thinking that it would act as insurance for her in the future, um, for loyalty. And, um, you know, her, her just, I would argue that it was a distorted view of what loyalty was. Um, as you can already, I guess, hear from what I was describing, she had a lot of really controlling narcissistic, uh, behaviors. Mm -hmm. And, um, she just, if you know anything about that, they have people that need to feed their supply and, um, yeah, it's, it's a little complicated. You can open up a podcast called the mother's table and I'll tell you about that one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, but it did. I would I would say it overshadowed the relationship with him. And now, did your was your father alive when you got married? He was. That's... Okay. So he's at the he was at the wedding. He was yes. So how did how did um, what did he say about your husband? Like, did you say, "Hey, Dad, what do you think about this guy?" Or did you have like a uh, a father daughter talk about marriage? Was there any sort of counsel because i never had that opportunity to discuss that with my father my father passed away before i got married really oh um, i'm so sorry yeah so um didn't really have that hey dad you know yeah what's up so i mean did you guys ever have that chance to for that type of uh that conversation never happened um not really um I was kicked out of the house shortly before I got married to my husband because of a lot of reasons. My, I was not something that could be controlled anymore and I was growing up. So the week that I got kicked out, which was about a month before I got married, that week my mom moved my father in and they resumed a relationship. And she had really villainized my husband to my family and Mm. painted him as he's taking her away. And as I said, my, my father at this point was like really heavy into drinking. He got kind of mean and did not have the, the few interactions he had with my husband were not positive ones. Mm. He would get kind of, um, I don't even know how to describe it, but you know, like when gorillas kind of, you know, like bang on their chest and kind of show you who's the silverback. That was kind of what he would try to do with my husband. And my husband was just astounded, like, Oh my goodness, what's happening. (laughs) Um, So I guess I, the most conversation like that you're describing I had with my dad was, while we were dancing um, at the father daughter dance. And I think he, he asked me, he looked back and I could tell he was really drunk and probably high on something. He said to me, um, so, so this is what you want to do, huh? Well, if you're happy, I'm happy. And it, it just didn't feel good. Mm. It didn't, it didn't feel good. Yeah. So it was, it was hard. It was, it was a really hard time. That time was a really hard time. Yeah. When, when you first met your husband and you guys started talking and I guess dating, courting or whatsoever, mm-hmm. um, were you hesitant about bringing him around to meet your family at first? Like, mm, maybe um, I You know, it's funny. I don't know why. I I only have had two really serious relationships in my life. The first boyfriend who was basically a spitting image of my dad, I was nervous to bring around. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I think I was ashamed of that first one. My husband, my, you know, current husband, I was not, I think that there was something and where I trusted whatever awkward interactions might ensue, he would see me apart from them. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. That their poor behavior would not reflect on his opinion of me. Oh, okay. Okay. Is that a little clearer? Yeah. Yeah. So I wasn't, you know, embarrassed. Yeah. I guess I wasn't quite yeah. so nervous. That makes sense. Uh-huh. Um, and your husband is a pastor. Yes, he is. Yeah. So, uh, tell me about like, I will open this up a little bit. Uh, I guess religion in the house mm-hmm. from your father's perspective, was he a religious guy? He was, I would say no. Um, I, no, I don't think so. He wasn't re- raised religious. He kind of maybe popped his, you know, growing up, popped in and out of church. He became a, he, he joined a Lutheran. My husband and I are Lutheran. My husband is a Lutheran pastor. Um, my father joined a Lutheran church, uh, after one of his big binge drinking episodes. And we started attending church very frequently. He became baptized, but I don't know if it was because it felt good, you know, and because it was kind of what he knew he should be doing. I don't really, I don't know to this day at the end of his life, what his connection and his relationship to God was. So I, I don't know if I could really speak on whether he was religious or not. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think that's the reason why I asked that question is because I think uh, a lot of times uh, when parents are religious, they tend to train their kids to be religious or try to give them some sort of structure or framework. Um so I was just wondering if your dad kind of gave you the framework that you have now, or was this something you got later on from somewhere else? I will say, um, you know, my husband and I have conversations all the time about, you know, religion and how we feel. We have had, you know, Bible studies and we've done exercises together where, you know, there's a task like describe how you visualize God or describe your relationship with God. And an observation my husband made was that how I feel about God and how I relate and connect to him is one of distance. I tend to feel very like he is far away and Mm -hmm. absent. And my husband made the observation that it's a possibility that it's a reflection of how I've always felt with my father. And I, I think that's, I think that's very possible. I mean, I don't know if it's all cut and dry like that, but, um, you know, I had a very, in many ways, you know, in some ways and in many ways, some ways, yes, many ways, no absent father, a father who was far away and a father who I never knew where he was emotionally or where he was feeling. Um, and I do think that that still colors how I, how I view my relationship with God and mm-hmm. how I view a father, you know, if it's something that is just there observing, but not always dependable. That's something I've struggled with for a very long time. Mm. That, so that you said feeling. how you, how you view fathers in general, as someone that's observant or just your father, as someone that's kind of distant and observant. So my, my father, my, my literal father, and then my father in heaven. Gotcha. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So do you, is there anything that you would say that you, it still pains you about your father that you haven't let go or given to God or uh, did you still carry to this day or did you kind of deal with that already? 
and move on from it. I think that that is there. There's definitely a, a lot of things I have done. Like, you know, I think the casual listener might hear some of this and how I've described him and think like, Oh gosh, what a guy, you know, but despite all that, I really forgave him for a lot. Like I, I easily was able to forgive my father. Um, I know that despite all those flaws, like his flawed love, I know he loved me. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was very, it was very easy for me to forgive him for that. So that, that stuff I'd say was dealt with. I think that perhaps the stuff that was undealt with or has, hasn't been is I really expected him in many ways to be my defender. Mm. And, you know, pick up that staff and just be my, my lion. And that was not the kind of person he was. He just, he, in many ways was just, he was a fragile hurt guy and was doing his very best to defend himself. He didn't, he couldn't do it for me too. So I wanted him to protect me from certain things that he didn't. And I, I struggle with being really angry with him about that here and there. Now, when you say defender, um, correct me if I'm wrong, would you suggest that he didn't defend you from your mother in a sense of, yes. okay. Yeah. Cause, Cause it seems like maybe her personalities could be really like maybe suffocating or just too much and something that he has to come in. Hey, cause that, the reason why I asked that question is because um, I, I was listening to this podcast and a guy was talking about fathers and how their role is to cut this umbilical cord between the children and the mom um, in a healthy sense, obviously, but mm-hmm. they, that's what makes the fathers unique in that sense of, you know, okay, this is their mother, you know, I'm the father and things like that. But like the, if, if it's not there, maybe the mother could be a little bit too much for the yeah. child. And it's hard for the mother to play both of a disciplinarian and the nurturer. And it could be this sort of smothering thing. I'm not saying all moms mm-hmm, are like that, mm-hmm. but it, it made sense being that I'm I'm in a marriage and I, I see how my wife interacts with my son. And I'm just like, okay, this makes a lot of sense. Well, yeah, <laughs> so you that, have a different perspective. No, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, I suppose... I couldn't, I think mine was more, there was a lot of like emotional and verbal abuse towards me. Um, and I'd, I'd call psychological abuse. And mm-hmm. I was hoping he would protect me from that. Gotcha. That, that specifically is what I can speak on. But I think you're right. I think that what you're describing about fathers is, you know, a part of every parent's role is to prepare your child for adulthood. Everything right. you're doing is grooming them to be independent. Right. You know, right. I mean, clearly like we're human beings. So we always have a, a sense, a sort of dependence on community and, and social connections. That's not what I'm talking about. You know, that's, you know, however we want to think that we're like super independent from everyone, but we are dependent on one another, but right. that's not what I'm talking about. Um, but you are preparing, you are grooming your child to be a self-sufficient, prepared adult. Absolutely. And that is, yeah, a very special perspective a father has that perhaps a mother does not. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you said that because uh, that hit me a, a few months ago. Because with children, especially when they're young, if you're not careful, you can tend to have this thought like, oh, this is my baby or this is my daughter or my son. Kind of like it's for me. But in reality, yeah. it's not for you. I mean, you're they're going to leave one day. They're supposed to leave one day. And I think yeah. if you're not careful, you could kind of lose sight of that and you kind of raise your kids to not, to not be equipped to go out. They're kind of just 
always these kids and they don't grow up. I, I don't yeah. know. That's a, a thought. I thought about that. I was reading a book called Boundaries and it was talking about some of those things. And I was just like, that's a good point because, you know, these are adorable little children, you know. Yeah, but <laughs> they're, they're not, not dogs. toys. <laughs> they're not toys or dogs or pets. <laughs> they got to go out yeah. and live life. So uh, they're yeah. not just they're not like your arm. They're right. not an extension of you mm-hmm. in that way. They are, they're, they're their own person, their own individual. And to think of them as just, you know, a, a, a branch off you. I know that's really complicated. You know, there's a lot of analogies, like in many ways they are like we inherit things from our parents, obviously, but that's not what I mean. (laughs) Um, and you have to respect that. Right. And the, yeah, you're right. You just, you don't have children as, as a toy or just for fun or because you, you want something from them. They're going to have their own, their own life and their own identity. And mm-hmm. yeah, that was, you know, I think about that a lot. <laughs> oh, uh, awesome. Well, uh, I think we are out of time. Crystalline, this is, was awesome. Did you have a good time? Was I did, cool? yeah. It was really cool. Awesome. It was interesting. Um, uh, with, I'll let you have the last word. Uh, is there anything you want to share with our listeners? Um, any encouragements or thoughts about your father, your life, how it shaped out, you know, college graduate, different lessons, anything you want to say? I think... Um... I think for anyone, uh, I guess I'll close with just this last thing about, about him and the message that I'm hoping to communicate with it. My father was the first person in my life to ever ask me for forgiveness. Um, that, that incident I was referring to earlier where he, you know, he, he hit my mom a long, long time ago when I was a child. I did not speak to him for a year after that. And he was the first person after that year ensued where he actually begged me to forgive him. And he gave me the most sincere apology out of many that I've ever received. And I think that it's really easy to sit back and look at your parents and look at your fathers and see the damage they've done. And, you know, there's a time and a place to deal with that and try and repair that damage. But I think it's really important as parents, as mothers and as fathers to humble ourselves, to ask our children for forgiveness when we hurt them. And that is something that I really learned from him when I mess up with my daughters, which I lose my temper and I do things that I told myself I would never do. I sit down and I say, I, I, I am so sorry. I should not have done that. Please forgive me. And that's it. That's all I can. Awesome. Great yeah. insights. Crystalline, thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, it's a pleasure having you on the show. And um, hopefully we could do this again. Yeah, sometime. this would be great. This is awesome. And I think this is really important what you're doing. Awesome. Excellent. 